decoded. Welcome to Founder Tech Decoded. I'm delighted to have on this episode Tanya Diggory. So I decided to reach out to Tanya um, to be on this podcast because um, I think the mental health aspects of founder tech, while might not be immediately um, as obvious uh, as some of the platforms that we've talked to, I think it's integral in terms of the, atten- the intent of the space of how we need to rethink and redesign the, um, the founder startup landscape um, and possibly start to really fundamentally question some of the hardwired assumptions kind of in the source code of the space um, particularly around um, how the founder is often expected to put their well-being and health on the line in a way that another employee in a large organization would never be asked to. I, I remember once talking to the CEO of a very large advertising agency who was in charge of helping, I think it was British Airways or something like that, you know, reinvent travel. And he had, struck me, he had like a team of 100 to 200 people that was... Uh, you know, really, really strongly capitalized with millions of pounds behind him. And then we asked founders to kind of take these same problems on from their laptops uh, with much less capital and much less risk. And I think there's a lot of these things that are uh, in present in startup culture that um, need to be looked at. And um, Tanya with Karma is, I think, at the vanguard of this, of reimagining this culture and reimagining practices reimagining what this space looks like and as i say challenging some of the lazy lazy assumptions that are often very dangerous is absolutely key so tanya welcome to founder tech decoded podcast it's a pleasure to have you here oh thank you so much for having me dan it's great to be here um so what do you think of what i've just said in terms of let's let's start from culture and bias and uh, and assumptions but we often talk about this kind of like, like i said just mentioned like the source code and kind of the bugs in the source code that have to be corrected around kind of startup culture. What do you think some of those things are with regards to mental health, founder wellbeing, those themes? So I think that we're in a really interesting time in just how much awareness is now being raised about mental health. And it's just, it's starting to slowly become a bit of a norm to consider it in our day-to-day lives, um, where, as you were saying before, Dan, it just was is sort of something that in a way, particularly for like startup founders, entrepreneurs, um, for a long time, it's just something you put on the back burner or you just focus on, you know, the success of your business as the priority. Whereas now what we're realizing, and, and thanks to advancements in research, um, you know, we, we know that actually it goes hand in hand. And in order to have a successful business, you need to be feeling well in yourself to give yourself, you know, um, fully to the business and to be at your best um, and to give quality output of the work that you're delivering. So if you're burning the candle at both ends and if you're pushing through, you know, high stress and burnout, then that's only going to go in one direction if you don't stop and take stock. And um, I say that coming from experience as well as having been an entrepreneur for over a decade now and, you know, running three different businesses and and actually now with the business I'm running, Karma, I, I practice everything that I share, you know, we all do in the team. So anything that we talk about, we we draw from evidence-based research in our courses and what we share in our events, et cetera, like the one that you came to. Um, and 
you know, it's not that we're just saying, oh, you know, this is good for you. It's like we actually live it. And, you know, I put boundaries in place around, you know, what's important to me in my personal life and my work life, et cetera. And um, I'm still growing and running a successful business. So, you know, and I know many people where that also works for them. And I think we're just starting to reimagine and readdress just how we approach um, taking care of ourselves in our work and understanding that the two really do go hand in hand. Why, why do you think, I mean, what you've said is obviously really important, but it's often like with, with, with the work that we do, it's like it, it feels like very common sense. Once you point that out, mm. right, that the, that the person, a person who is balanced and well and feels like they have space and can time mm. to think is obviously going to perform better than mm. somebody who is completely stressed out to the, you know, to the max all the time and chasing mm. their tail and not sleeping. And yeah, why do you think that that, which just sounds like common sense, you know, why is that still an aha moment? You know, why, you know, with karma, you know, when you explain that to people, why is that still like, oh yeah, or is, is it still, or is that getting better? I'd like to kind of hear that kind of spectrum. Or was it like a few years ago, what are you talking about? So now, yeah, of course. Or how has that changed, if at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it does sound, it sounds simple, but it's it's effective, obviously, when when put into practice. And very often it's the simple things or the things that, like you said, sound like common sense that actually the most impactful. And and to be honest, it sounds simple, but it's easier said than done. And very often, especially within the entrepreneur space, like you learn through trial and error, right? Like I'm, uh, you know, coming from the place of having previously experienced in the past high stress, burnout, having to take time off work, struggling with panic attacks on and off for about a year. Yeah and recovering from that. So, you know, I'm not just sitting here talking about it like it's a good idea. It's actually something that I've personally, you know, been in that place and and had to understand and um, really get to know what mental health actually means. And um, I think because we're living in an age of information, of awareness, of research, that's on a, on a level that we've never experienced before in humankind. We have so much access to information now to help us understand, you know, what's you know so important in terms of balancing work well-being and work um but it's not simple and straightforward because we get into habits don't we and especially there are so many distractions around us nowadays and so much stimulus that's almost an overload for the senses whether it's social media or online or emails etc that we need to be the ones to put the boundaries in place because that's not going to do it for us. Our emails aren't going to say, hey, do you know what? I'm going to stop sending you emails for a while. It's like we need to be the ones to be like, uh, actually, this is my cut off time and this is when I am and I'm not going to be checking it, etc. So it's like we need to look at our relationship to all those distractions as well, because that can be a factor in what can drive, you know, high stress levels and burnout, et cetera. Um, And uh, yeah, just looking at our habits in in general and um, our relationship to our work. And it's also the expectations that we set for ourselves as well as what others set. So it's it's very complex, but hopefully that kind of (laughs) elaborates a little bit more for you. There's an interesting correlation um, um, between the the tech and how the tech uh, behaves and what you're talking about with boundaries. So there's, I think it's called um, the uh, science of unintended consequences. So I'm not going to get the guy's name, but he invented the uh, infinite scroll on the phone, which mm-hmm. you may make it. Okay, no, it begins with R. Um, and what he said was, he once he stepped back, he did it because he wanted to make um, the experience more fluid, right? And then he realized he had, on a daily basis, he was wasting millions of hours of distracted time for people through what he, he had um, designed. And, and so you got these unintended 
consequences. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're what you're talking about there um, is is the kind of the implementation of these perimeters and boundaries that keep the individual who's having to perform at this high level um, sort of protected. Um, it is it, getting is it. It seems like it's getting harder because there's more and more distraction and bombardment on that individual um, with more and more channels coming into them. How do you when you when you coach an individual or say a CEO or you know of a startup um, and and they're trying to implement this into the culture, how do you get them to start to understand those boundaries that the tech isn't going to do it itself? They've got to kind of live it, embody it, and and, and give permission for it for their team to be able to also inhabit their space. How do you start with that conversation? Mm. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think first, it's really about understanding what it is that is the issue for that individual. Um, if that makes sense, yeah. you know, because you've got to you've got to start from the place of well, what is their pinch point? Like, what are they struggling with? And, um, and, you know, everything that we do at Karma is drawn from evidence based research in the field of neuroscience and, you know, latest mental health statistics, etc. So, you know, that's what we base our um, education on from research you know so it's sort of got some you've got some concrete foundation there and as well as you know exploring um like strategies that can help that are tried and tested etc but you know consistent research highlights that you know working longer hours and you know working through breaks for example and you know just being switched on all the time multitasking as well that's been debunked recently as a myth as well yeah. you know there's so much out there there's so much evidence to show um through countless studies that that doesn't actually make you more productive it doesn't make you better at your job and in fact being more considered and being more mindful of your time and where you're placing your energy you know, that that's what is a really helpful starting point, you know, to, to sort of move forward. And you know, it's understanding things that when you get interrupted, whether that's an individual interrupting you or if it's a social media app or an email notification whilst you're working on a project, for example, that you just go to for a second, but then it ends up taking longer. It can take up to about 25 minutes yeah, to that. actually get back to yeah. yeah like your full-blown concentration so if you think about how much time can be lost in a day of full focus productive concentration there's a lot going on around us that we need to take control of ourselves so really we start from that place it's understanding well what are those issues that you're encountering and let's break those down a little bit more and let's explore you know what the studies show us as well as what we've you know identified as sort of tried and tested strategies that, that can help and and also it's not to say there's quick fixes far from it and you know even with a lot of the strategies that we share whilst they're drawn from evidence-based research um different things work for different people you know so it's also exploring that and understanding based on people's you know, unique demands of their time with work, with personal commitments, etc. It's, it's understanding what actually makes most sense for them. Um, and like I say, it not being just a one size fits all approach, because it's really not like when, when you think about mental health in and of itself, and understanding how we um, look after and, and nurture our mental well being, that is completely unique and individual to every single person, because every one of us has a completely unique upbringing in life, unique experience of life, the people we've spent our time around, the books we've read, the information we absorbed, you know, how we understand and handle stress 
very often stems from what we've been taught and what we've learned and it's learned behavior a lot of the time you know over the years that influences our behavior now so it's incredibly complex so you can't treat each person just with sort of like a blanket state you know statement of okay you all need to do this and that will help you and um, that's why it's important to find out well, what is the pinch points for you um, and even if you're doing group work you know you can explore ideas for everybody and then there are different strategies and some will actually help quite broadly speaking like with mindfulness based um, techniques for example or mindset techniques and some strategies will um, help some individuals more than others and it's just about finding what resonates and works for you really so how do you again all of that sounds completely sort of you know again co common sense self-evident good practice you know that, that, that anybody leading a team um, should adhere to and, and, and um, you know at least evaluate properly and put in place in the same way as you'd have health and safety regulations or you know mm -hmm. like a you know where the fire exit is it's like the, these things shouldn't be optional but then how do you uh, my last kind of, kind of question on, uh, from a cultural perspective so at its most pernicious you've got like hustle culture where you know you're I know someone who's up at four in the morning every morning and he broadcasts that and it becomes a and there's a club of them and they mm. and they sort of you know then it, you know I think it started at five it's gone to four you know it's creeps back wow. you know <laughs> club I didn't realize that it's now four yeah and, and and so you know and you and, and you look at that and that's being celebrated and you walk into co-working spaces and you've got these big banner statements on the wall and you know the part of the in in some ways part of the allure of being part of a startup is that you are in this dynamic you know really really sort of I guess you know forceful um, um, culture that's trying to achieve something really really hard and don't don't you find that those sort of those two things jostle up against each other where you've got this best practice that's where where you're looking after yourself and the individuals that you're responsible for and yet they are they are being drawn to the culture because they you know that they believe that they're solving something that they wouldn't have a chance to solve anywhere else and part of solving that is this mentality like do you think that we've made any inroads into that uh, uh, and 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 you know have you seen examples where like someone's had their, uh, a startup's had that culture and you've gone in with karma and they've come out the other side and gone well we'll never go back to that where the way it was have you, mm. have you seen that yeah no absolutely you know it takes time as well it's not like i said before it's not a quick fix so yes it can sound simple but it takes time to implement just like with any meaningful long-term change because we're talking about human behavior here <laughs> and that takes time you know if you're wanting to change a habit shift a behavior but what i'd say is it always comes down to the intention so if you have a, a desire and an intention to shift and change that's the first step you know in, in going in that direction and when you're talking about the 4am club 5am club that's great for some people and for others it's an absolute nightmare because they don't have their energy their highest optimal energy in the morning they're more afternoon or even like going more towards the evening because we we all have different times of the day that we're productive naturally in our state you have like early birds then you've got people who kind of like in the in the in between and then you've got night owls and people that can't physically get themselves right. to bed at like nine in the evening do you know because it just doesn't suit their their natural body clock so you can't force that upon them so that's what i mean is you've got to treat each individual right. on their own merit so the people who wake up at five they are early birds and like i have a friend who's like that and she's you know she exercises every morning and she gets herself into the state but she is so ready and optimistic 
optimal and you know starting work super early because that's where she gets her energy from at that time in the day um so we can't expect that from everyone and that doesn't always work as effectively for everybody you can end up with some people being incredibly sleep deprived um and and you know the people who are going to uh, waking up at that time they're very likely going to bed at like 10 p.m or 9 p.m you know because you have to have that optimal level of sleep as well in order to be waking up that early so there's all these other factors at play as well that i do just want to put out there because i think some people hearing that can then feel a pressure like oh, i should be waking up at five and i should be doing this and i should be super productive early but that's not the case it's about really understanding and building your sense of self-awareness and when you draw your most optimal energy in the day and going with that um and you know it's it's knowing things also like um so there's a great time management software company called rescue time and they do an abundance of research in, in terms of time management and um what makes workplaces well and um, you know their studies have shown as well that on average we're only productive for about two and a half hours a day, right. like fully productive. Right. <laughs> and, and then again, that kind of coincides with the research around taking breaks because our brain operates in cycles of processing in our awake state and our asleep state. And so because it's taking in so much information all the time, if we're literally just working through breaks and working through lunch, we're draining our brain and our body of the energy that it needs to re reset and re-energize and feel more productive again so it's like it, it's slow small steps you know and and starting with one thing um not saying these are all the things that you need to change and let's go ahead now and change them you know but it, it's this education that we're talking about here which is a lot to try and get into a podcast episode <laughs> um that you know it's this kind of education that's really important for people to be aware of early on in their startup journey um and you asked me if we've worked with companies where we've seen that change we've absolutely seen really long-term meaningful change when we work with companies on a long-term basis and of course we work with people where it's just a one-off workshop or a, a series of sessions because it's better than nothing of course you know to to have that knowledge and to create that intention to make meaningful change. Um, but, you know, we, we've worked with clients where they, you know, for example, introduce well-being hours or well-being days where, you know, they just give their staff that permission that if things are just feeling a bit too much, just take a step back, like no matter what's going on, because they have that level of education as well of, of understanding the wider complexity of mental health and how it impacts your physical health, your emotional health, everything. Um, that giving yourself permission to stop and take a step back and reassess and then go back to things sometimes can be, make the biggest difference because burnout tends to come from ongoing stress levels building at a high level that's unresolved just that push 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 through mentality of not really taking a break there's too much to do and not enough time right and I'm sure we can all relate to that in some ways of wanting to just get so much done but then it's like well what's the alternative if I keep doing that and if I'm going towards the direction of burnout then you know I, at the end of the day, prevention is better than a cure, you know? Can I can I make a suggestion of where this is going? So one of the things we're trying to do in the podcast is kind of envisage taking um, the discussion and the point of view that you've got and extrapolating it out like two to three to four years. And what I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I just spoke to um, someone who's talking about making the cap table, the shareholder table, a dynamic instrument. So everybody can kind of put new value in it and, and, it, and it kind of shimmers and reflects that. Where I hear you saying we're going is if we, if let's say, imagine we have a team of 10 people in the startup. So it's kind of, you know, it's, 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 it's motoring along, starting to do things. Why are you saying is that the ideal scenario that we're getting to 
is where everybody kind of has like an optimal profile of how they work, when they work, what they need, what keeps them, you know, hydrated, what all of these, what, what keeps them stimulated. And actually, if you could understand that in that very, very sort of agile way around your team, that's the the goal, the horizon, the kind of like where you're heading towards, where we where we get to that level of uh, of detail, and that's re- that's where you really can start to re-engineer well-being uh, in a much more profound way. Would that be like if we were to project? Would that be aligned to kind of how you might see the future? Mm, well, if you imagine you do like a business plan from the very beginning when you start up a business, and you're working out all the financial projections, the marketing plans, all of those things include well-being within that from the get-go like I said it's not a a quick fix scenario but if you prioritize that from the very beginning like you know you have all these policies within a company you you have your mental health policy you have your well-being policy like what does that mean to us as a business how do we want to work how effective will it make us and you begin with that in mind then all the decisions that you're making around your business will naturally integrate within how does this impact us in our well-being and in our mental health because you know when we talk about mental health we've got to also consider the wider scope of our well-being in general and our well-being is it encapsulates how we feel and function on a day-to-day basis in terms of our mental physical emotional social and spiritual health so it includes how how well we sleep how you know how much exercise we get our diet etc all of these factors contribute and feed into a holistic state of our overall health and well-being so you often hear a lot of people say for example i need to exercise every week because that's that really helps me feel more energized i feel at my best etc you're but at the same time as doing that you may not be aware but you're also supporting your mental health by doing that so the reality is is that um our mental health plays a really big part in the overall picture of our health and well-being because when our mental health is affected it has a knock-on effect on the other aspects of our well-being whether we're feeling mentally unwell or we're feeling mentally well so you know it has a natural um impact whichever way we look at it so when you have that awareness and education much early on within a startup environment as part of the investment you know then then your mindset shifts in that way so all the decisions that you're making moving forward you'll also be prioritizing yourself amongst that because you like we said earlier you know in terms of growing business your team need to feel well in itself um you know how you communicate together is important you know how you connect that sense of community you know people in terms of basic human needs people appreciate feeling valued you know feeling listened to feeling heard feeling like they're contributing to something like it matters so doing that in itself communicates to the staff to your team to your people that you care about their well-being you're not just saying you're here to do a job for us to make our business successful we also want you to be part of the journey and we care about your health along that journey and all of us being healthy and well together to make sure that we can be at our best to make this business a success you you know what i mean you think then it's even the right term that if it lands properly the things you're talking about you know become just the, the normal then mm-hmm. mental health itself feels like it's not really the the objective. It feels like something much more sophisticated than that. And again, I'm interested in kind of like if we were to design it from now and go forward, like the, you're talking about kind of optimal health, but you're talking about optimal health where each individual is kind of triangulated by all of the all the data points that keep them well and balanced. Like I said, like so, and that like so you would design that in from the beginning, and the founder mm-hmm. and the investors like they would have a cash flow. And the project would would project out from those kind of, I don't even there isn't even a word for it, right? There is there's there's mm-hmm. no, so um, it actually doesn't 
feel like sometimes the right term or what they're quite trying to say, particularly when you're trying to strive and imagine something more and more sophisticated, it feels like actually there's another terrain there that isn't defined by that term. Do you, do you get where I'm coming from? That's an interesting perspective. Um, the thing I think the thing is that mental health as a term has had a lot of stigma over the years um, and it's it's not really been fully understood until recent years really and we're still we've still got a long way to go um, but when you think about mental health I mean you know I, I know people before um, I know people in the past that have shifted the language around mind health you know right. as a way to make it more accessible for people I personally feel that we shouldn't shy away from using the term mental health. And I get also how mind health can be an accessible way to talk about it, just because, you know, it's been quite um, attached to a stigma for so many years. When you think about it, it is essentially that you're talking about your mind, the health of your mind, and you're with your mind every single day, 24 seven, and it can go in all sorts of directions. And like putting in best practices to nurture and look after it, has a knock-on effect on every other aspect of your well-being so i would argue that our mind our brain health you know is at the core of when we're talking about our well-being because if you imagine that you're mentally struggling with something um and you notice you've got tightness pain tension in your chest in your arms and your your headaches springing up you've got muscle tension um you notice your breathing is constricted you're feeling quite anxious you feel overwhelmed you're emotionally feeling quite fluctuating notice behaviorally you're like oh i don't want to see whoever i was going to meet tonight you start socially disconnecting because you're just not feeling well in yourself etc the same is true of the opposite right so if you imagine you're feeling mentally well confident in yourself feeling engaged feeling like content practicing gratitude etc you notice perhaps you feel an emotional uplift you feel perhaps more motivated to exercise to look after yourself to eat well you feel physically a greater sense of ease and a lightness in your body you're not holding on to stress pain and tension because the thing is we store our emotions in our body as well so our mental physical and emotional health are interconnected so we can't really separate them it's all part of a greater entity which i think is probably partly what you were saying before that it's something quite holistic in what we're talking about here but for me personally I feel that and I believe, you know, from our education as well, it all stems back to our mind, our mental health, how we and how we feel in ourselves. So when we kind of look at it from that perspective, we all have a mind, a brain, we all have mental health and it can fluctuate, you know, just like we have physical health, etc. So I think it's important to look at it holistically. But essentially, it's all connected because it's one entity. When you think about your body in itself, you know, your mind, your your physical body, your emotions, it's, it's all there and, and they communicate with one another, essentially. Yeah, um, I, I, I would love if you do come across any, uh, you know, it, it, it might happen that, you know, next week or so as these things work. So there are like other other terms because I do I do believe I t take everything you've said and I, even mind health or mindfulness I guess is in the right direction but it, I do feel like language and structure and and the way that we define things if, is really important and I do think this space is so so much is needed to be done terrible English but you know you know that needs to be re-engineered we need to be if we are asking founders and startups to do extraordinary things, which we are, with, with minimal resources, change industries, change, mm -hmm. disrupt, you know, old models. These these are extraordinary asks that we're asked, that we're that we're we're putting to founders. You know, the 
in, in, having a language that's that, that, that like, like you would, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not around elite athletes, but I'm certain that when you get around elite athletes and the way they're looked after, there must be loads of language there that differentiates, you know, a really peak, um, which I guess a peak and flow and all those words start to become interesting, you know, around elite athletes, because you recognize that when they're in that flow state or in that peak state, they're performing better. And that's correlated, obviously, directly to value on all sorts of things. And I just wonder whether the purpose of all of this is to make the landscape better so the more exceptional founders wherever they are can emerge and be supported i just wonder whether there is an, another terrain there underneath but i'm aware i'm aware of time we probably haven't got the time to kind of no, work it, I know. To you, work it's that. one of those topics you could just talk about for ages yeah. and ages but i do also something that came to mind as you were saying that it's like yeah i i personally feel that good mental health and mental wellness if we're looking at exploring different terms as well are terms we don't hear about a lot and when you hear about mental health there tends to be almost fairly commonly a negativity bias that when you hear it you're thinking oh that must mean we're talking about a problem or an issue or a struggle and don't get me wrong of course it's important to understand what poor mental health means what those signs and symptoms are how to get help and support etc and that's part of our education as well however we need to counterbalance that with conversations around good mental health mental wellness looking after and supporting and nurturing your mental well-being your mental health and then that I believe the language we use around that in time can start to shift and change yeah. and uplift you know our, our perceptions around what mental health actually means so I think there's a fine balance there I, I think it would be a bit dangerous to deviate completely away from the term mental health oh, but I think it's more about exploring all the other terminology around it which I think is also what you're reflecting on before with athletes you know um like with mental wellness and things like that so that we are being fair and balanced in how we're talking about it just as we talk about physical health we wouldn't just say physical injury, disability, fracture, disease, you know, we wouldn't just talk about those aspects of physical health. We talk about physical energy, nutrition, fitness, keeping fit and healthy, etc. So we we need to also talk about mental health from that balanced perspective too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we need to be able to point to founders who aren't just sort of commercially successful, but have that balance and start to hero mm -hmm. that and go look at that mm -hmm. person not it wasn't you know that, that look look at the way that and like you said it doesn't mean necessarily mean they might be up at 5 a.m because that's their their peak time to do that but it's the mm -hmm. it's the coherency isn't it it's the it's the it's the way their teams are calibrated it's all about language that we're yeah. just at the beginning of um I, i'm just mm -hmm. like we've kind of kind of uh, i i really could talk about that for another half an hour because i think it's super <laughs> super interesting but just in, just in terms of kind of wrapping up on some of my APIs um, that, you know, things that are on your radar that you plug into, whether for your health or interest or in this mm. space, particularly in this space around the conversation we've had, if there's books, people, podcasts, mm. events that you think, and we'll list them in the show notes, that, that would be awesome yeah. if you could. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, one of in one of my books, um, it's called This is Karma, Inspiration, Support and Encouragement for the Entrepreneurial Mind. Um, I do actually, at every other page, I make reference to recommendations because I'm a, I'm a big reader and listen to different podcasts and talks and things like that. So just as a, a side note, there's tons of recommendations in there um, that link to work and well-being. But off the top of my head um, now, uh, a speaker that I 
truly admire is Brené Brown. Um, she's a TED speaker. She's a best-selling author of multiple books. Um, she was a previous social worker and is now in the space of um, researching the link between vulnerability, shame, and courage, and the connection between all three. So just on a fundamental human level, her talks and her material is just so inspiring. And she really brings to light that, you know, that conversation around you know, stepping away from the idea of it being weak to open up if you're struggling. Yep. On the flip side, it takes a great deal of courage and strength to open up if you need help. And that's a massive step forward. So that's just one small part of the bigger picture. But she also works with leaders and organizations in terms of, you know, bringing in authenticity into the workplace. So she's fantastic. Um, also, in terms of podcast, um, Jay Shetty's podcast is a great one. Um, it's called On Purpose. And um, his whole thing is about making wisdom go viral. So again, it sort of touches on so many different aspects of life. He does talk about burnout. Um, he kindly referenced us as well in one of his episodes and our, our blog called The Five Stages of Burnout. Um, he talks about, um, you know, different stages in your life, dealing with toxic relationships, you know, um, like different people, um, what you manifest, you know, towards yourself, how you deal with, you know, work and well-being. So that's a great, a great listen, I would recommend as well. Um, and also for the entrepreneurs, um, I and I've I've met um, this author and speaker a few times actually. He's he's fantastic. He's called Daniel Priestley. He does a lot of talks um, in the UK and abroad. Um, has accelerated programs for entrepreneurs. Um, but he's a best-selling author of multiple books as well. But it is all about that entrepreneur journey. And um, one of his early books, the, um, the Entrepreneur Revolution, is a really great read in terms of, you know, his predictions of where things have actually been going <laughs> in terms of the entrepreneur journey and the impact of digital technology on businesses. Um, so that's also a great read. And he talks about, you know, how to be oversubscribed as a business and just really practical. Like he's he's been incredibly successful as a business owner since his early 20s. So he's just a very humble and inspiring person to learn from as well that's awesome um well i'm gonna i'm gonna get, go on a hunt now for some for for, for some a lexicon and, and try and share it like, like I've, I've now got my mind on this in terms of kind of like what other words that might be useful i might share them with you in an email. um <laughs> I, I, will, I will definitely but thank you so much for your time and, and for being part of the founder tech decoded uh, podcast I, I as i said i i was really happy that you suggest to do it because i think it's an essential part this this conversation is essential if we're going to like i said reimagine the landscape so it's better for everyone we have to bring these ideas into it so thank you so much tanya oh thank you so much for you know opening up this discussion on your podcast because you know it's people like yourselves that are also going to contribute to that wider conversation and that wider awareness of mental health at work so thank you as well